Christmas was okay. New Year's Maybe I screwed it up. I don't know. I just want to see what your book says because I think. Yeah, we went to uh, Dallas to see Sandy's uh, four grandkids. Good evening. And, uh, uh, welcome to the Planning and Zoning Advisory Commission of Dewey Humboldt. Today is Thursday, January 4th, 2024, at 6 p.m., and we'd like to start this meeting. Um, would you please uh, call a roll call? Uh, commissioners uh, Jason Chisholm, Lynn Collins, Here. Clifford Brandt, Here. Tom Lowry, Here. Lon Ullman, uh, Vice Chair Tom Millette, yeah. and Chair Nell Carlson. Here. Uh, at this time, we would like to stand up and pledge the allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Would um, could I ask uh, Jason if would you like to do an invocation? I'd like to. If anybody else in the audience would like to, I'd rather pass it. Okay. Anyone in the audience like to do one? I didn't hear what you said. Uh, invocation. <laughs> I can't. Okay. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we're gathered here together to do the business of this town, and uh, there's much responsibility and care that has to be taken, and we ask for wisdom and guidance and your special um, just blessing upon people that have to do and make decisions here and on all the people in this town. We ask for your protection. Help us as we grow. And um, well, we just thank you for all your blessings. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, does any, uh, anyone have a, a report for our our committee. Uh, any activities? Oh, Lynn. Um, at the last council meeting on the 2nd of January, I got up and read a uh, town code dealing with the council members or to get a copy of their, a digital copy of their agenda packets or to be emailed to council members no later than Thursday prior to Tuesday council meetings and I asked for council members to do the same thing for boards and committees to give us our information five days before the meeting. So um, I just wanted to pass that on so everybody knows that I asked. Thank you. Anybody else? Madam Chair? Yes. If, if I can just uh, give an announcement uh, for you and the public. Uh, today, we temporarily uh, closed the Butte Park. Um, we put out notices. We have put up a snow fencing at this time. Uh, probably next week, it will change to Chain Link, uh, which is more secure. Um, uh, until such time as we, uh, you know, get our uh, numbers and an analysis of the property there, we should have that the following week from, from today. Um, also, uh, while it's like that, we are still planning on improving the area 
and that includes any remediation that might be done. And uh, we're looking at the drainage and the basketball court as well. So it's not that the park is closed permanently, but in the meantime, it just uh, makes sense out of a uh, uh, caution to go ahead and uh, do that. So and health and safety. But just health, health and safety and, you know, children are involved as well. And so uh, we want to make sure that everything is okay. Seven. On number seven. Okay, I just want to make sure, and I'm not skipping that. That's important. Okay, so on the consent agenda is our next uh, topic. All matters listed under the consent agenda are considered to be routine by the commission and will be enacted by one motion. Any item may be removed from the consent agenda agenda for separate consideration at a commissioner's request. If a citizen desires separate consideration of an item, he or she should approach a commissioner prior to the meeting and ask that the commissioner request that that item be removed. So is there any? There is none. Any? No. Nothing. Public comment on non-agenda item. Uh, the commission wishes to hear from citizens at each meeting. Those wishing to address the commission need not request permission or give notice in advance. For the official records, individuals are asked to state their name. Public comments may appear on any video or audio record of this meeting. Please direct your comments to the commission. Individuals may address the commission on any issue within the jurisdiction. According to the Arizona Open Meeting Law, commissioners may only respond to criticism made by those who have addressed the public body. Ask town staff to review a matter or ask that a matter be put on a future agenda. Commission commissioners are forbidden by Arizona open meeting law from answering any questions discussing issues raised or taking legal action on matters raised during public comment. Three minutes per speaker limit shall be imposed. Everyone is asked to please be courteous, silent while others are speaking. Public comment on agenda, agendized items may occur when the item is discussed by council. Is there anyone in the public that would like to make a comment? Mr. Garcia? It's Joe Garcia with uh, Dewey Humboldt. Just wanted to give you all thanks for the recommendation for the rezoning application. As you know, it was approved this uh, week by the council, but it all starts here. And once again, thank you for your attention and for your support on that. Is there anyone else in the audience? Okay, to the general business. Um, for any general business that we need to make. Okay, right now, I think we're going to be continuing on with our possible recommendations on updating and revising the title 
2015 <clears throat> entitled land usage of the town of Dewey Humboldt town code to include is it AR is that an ARS 150 dash that just means sections sections okay sections 150 to 153 building code plain management subdivision regulations and zoning regulations so I'd like to open this up for anyone that has uh, proposals uh, again to remind everyone here um, that this piece of paper that was issued and I'm not sure if you have additional blank papers but if you want yeah if you want a code change this is the form that we fill out and we submit to staff they take it back uh, to the town attorney to discuss the proposals and then they come back to us with what they can legally do and then we then we move forward with um, suggesting the change or making the change or whatever. May I ask a question? Sure. How long does that process take? Because we already submitted some paperwork and I was being curious where that is and what's going yeah, on. Yeah, uh, at this point in time, um, the uh, town attorney will get a packet from us of what we already have, and I have several of them. Um, and uh, he is going to sit down and review them. He has not done that at this point because uh, they're also working on a uh, uh, proposal for you when it comes to uh, the issue that is before the um, general plan uh, committee, which would be the agribusiness, agritourism question. So uh, it's because it's the, the PNC's responsibility to come up with that as well. So the short answer is that we have Oh, no, 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 no. But he knows about it. We've talked about it. He knows that we're going to go through it. It's, it's easier for him to have a batch of them that he can go through. So we're batching them. He knows about what he needs to do, and we'll have it done. the actual changes um, I'm, I'm hoping that we will see a lot more specific specificity in our agenda as far as it's going to be farm animals it's going to be outdoor lighting so that explains why this is the way it is now so because a lot of people there's like 134 pages in land use so yes. Um, yes. a lot of people probably don't even know that farm animals is in there but there's some hot button issues. There's some issues that were very clearly identified in the poll on the general plan, which are actually zoning issues as well. So I look forward to addressing all those issues in the future. Um, and I would like to have more right now for these. Okay, we'll make sure that you have them. Okay. Um, also, if I, uh, Madam Chair and uh, Commission members, uh, along those lines, if you have a suggestion of how you would like to see uh, the agenda laid out, uh, like Commissioner uh, uh, Collins said, then what we can do is uh, submit it to us, and we can do it that way if, if that's what uh, you prefer. If we the keep chair, jumping around. Can we get a copy of the code put in, the, like a, 
like any other packet, it, whatever code we intend to discuss during that particular meeting that's mentioned on the agenda, if we can have a copy of it in, in the packet. So the public has access. Uh, and again, it's gonna be up to the, uh, the group. Um, and if, if you guys agree, and uh, not that you have to take a vote on it, just direct me, and uh, I will. Okay, so, so let me ask you this. book versus having it listed I think it makes sense to have it listed individually like quoting what the code says and what we're going to be discussing uh, what the proposal is what the original code is and then what the proposed changes are um, because that that kind of lines everything up and the public can keep track of what we're talking about rather than trying to figure out how to get through that uh, the website and, and the code itself so would it be easier, I mean, normally we do like redlining. Would it be easier not to do redlining, but to show the original, that, then show the, the suggested and what the final should be? I think it would be more, uh, yes, I think, I think what the original zoning was and then what the changes are gonna be. Okay. Because I think it makes sense. Redlining requires a lot of um, colored printing, which is a higher cost. To get the material out and then you're not uh, considering the public which would get the black and white copy and that's it's really confusing hard to follow it hard to follow because so. uh, normally for people to familiarize themselves with that legislative format of strike throughs and then, then bold and capitalized yeah, for new stuff yeah okay yes yeah, Uh, this, not last meeting, but the meeting before that we had, we were going through the ordinances and we came to a, we decided to call it a night on land usage. I'd like to continue off where we left off. I don't recollect where that was, but I'd like to continue where we left off and moving forward with that because there was a breaking point that we, rather than waste a meeting, I'd like to continue. Okay. Is there anybody else that has anything? <clears throat> we need to stick to one section at a time. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because if we keep jumping around, we're never going to get done. <clears throat> well, I agree. Because honestly, I don't remember where we left off. Right, we were just having that conversation. It's like, oh, yeah, because I, I think but we just did a little bit of jumping around that night, too. Yeah. I think it was one. It was 151, I believe. I have another one here that I want to talk to you about anyway. It's about grading permits, because we've had so many uh, runoff issues. I think we should have a grading plan on all projects, no matter what size. Well, and so that would definitely be something that you guys can, and uh, uh, I don't necessarily disagree. So, um, but yeah, definitely if it was in the code, then I would have to do it. Yeah, if you say if you notice, water if, running into other people's yards. If you notice in the code, in a, in a couple of places it says, um, but residential may be exempt depending on what the deal is. So, yeah. 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 Yeah.
I understood why you guys wanted to like get more uniform because yeah, we were a little over the place. So. I was approached by a friend with a question about living on property in a certain fashion. And I tried to look through this code book and find something on it. And I really couldn't find anything on it. So I Googled it on the Dewey Humboldt website. And it came up with a section. What's the section number? 153086, subsection 8. It's on page 147 in my zone, my, my uh, code book. But what came up, and you asked me earlier if I was on a county. If I wasn't on a county. I was on the Dewey Humboldt page. And the response on the Dewey Humboldt page and the code that's written in my book do not match. The, the one on the website should be the most current but watch me get proven wrong. So that well, would be- If that's your stance, I wanna know why I don't have the most current book. So I guess the first thing would be to um, see where we're at. Let me read you what it states on a line, if you don't Is mind. In a frequently asked question, or what, where did you find it? I just asked I just asked the question on that webpage, and this is what came up. Like on- Googled it. On this page you searched? I believe so. I could be wrong. So if it if it came up in one of the like frequently asked questions or something, that's something that may not be up to date. Your book should be one hundred percent accurate. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's why I was <coughs> curious when I and like I said, yeah, I, I that, may have that made sure that all the books were new um, and had all well, if you would entertain me, uh, what is your 153.086 subsection 8 mine addresses furniture outside? Right. And, I, uh, and does it actually address furniture when it comes to RVs or just furniture outside in general? Okay. And I, I'm familiar with that section. And so... Um, just off the top of my head, I know that you're allowed. I let me. I will go there, but I think you're. you're it says in there that you're allowed. You know, couch, you can have a couch outside um, and things like that, which I right. find. So what I was trying to find was information on living in an RV on your property, and I couldn't find anything in this book about it. And when I googled it. It came up about you have a 24 month period after you have a building permission permit issued and the building permit remains valid um, and that has that same section number on it as I just told you that reads that talks about furniture in my book I couldn't find anything about outside storage okay yeah so this the outside storage is a section that ha talks about that you can have a refrigerator outside and some other things are we, are we on the same page Yes. I okay. Agree with that. 
say page 147, correct? Um, yeah, 146. Subsection 8 was on 147. This section starts on 145. Furniture may be stored outside, provided such furniture is in reasonable repair and weather-resistant condition and is intended for personal on-site use and are placed behind a screen wall, landscaping, such as such that the appliance are not within public view. So are those matched, and that's, that's good. That's not really what I was looking for. Okay. I was property in an RV and I couldn't find anything in this book about it it is here um, it will take me a minute to find it because they're, they're in here somewhere it talks about that you can't and what are there's a test there's like a three-tier test to know whether or not because you can have an RV parked on your property Buying a piece of property and uh, putting an RV on it, I couldn't find anything on it. Maybe, it. but you answered my question because our books match. But what I found on the website didn't match my book. So the, if if we want to like figure out the discrepancy, then the next thing would be to figure out where that came from on the website, and then and then I can. I just want to find the code that talks about living in an RV. Well, I, I know of like I know of at least three sites near my house where this that's actually been happening and we, we've sat there for like a couple of years watching people living out of their rv and i gotta wonder what are they doing with the sewage you know and that kind of questions right. so the so the thing is is once we once we get this figured out how do we enforce it and that's um that's a good question so then that's that's a cancel um that is absolutely something that you need to come to the uh, council meeting and, and have, bring that up, have that conversation. So yeah, what you're, the conversation you're trying to have with me isn't anything new. Okay. So where it comes down to the fact uh, in the code, if you put all the codes together and it would take me some time to, to list everything out, where it goes through the code book is basically says, you can't be on your property unless you have a primary residence. So everything else is trumped at that point. So you can't have you can't have be living out of your RV or anything like that. You have to have a permitted primary residence to have it. Okay. I can I can point that out. I can't do that at this point in time. Right. I'm not asking you to do it tonight. Right. From what I understand is, if you have a building permit, you can stay on the lot where you're building, but the stipulation is you have to have an inspection every 90 days. Right. It's actually every 180 days, but yeah, kind of a mute point. So yeah. And then you have a two year, you have a maximum of two years. That's exactly what I found on the website. Okay. You have a building permit, you have two years to live in the RV. Yeah, you must have a valid, valid pass inspection every 180 days to keep that all valid just count my two by fours yeah 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 there's steps and we actually there's a on our on our inspections we there's a there's a list and stuff like that so i know there's one guy up there on henderson they lived in their rv for close to two years waiting for their manufacturing home yeah i know that there's some um and the, it's all here in, in the code to support all this. The enforcement's the issue, and that's that's something that should be talked about. So enforcement can only go so far, and there's only so many things. And the town doesn't have an abatement 
enforcement. So I can't hire somebody to come pick it up once it's gone through the court. So all that, it just becomes a financial thing at that point. So, yeah. You're welcome. There's a two-year limit on, if you've got a building permit, you're, you're building your own house. Um, I think, see, from my point of view, because I've had this happen in neighborhoods where I've lived before, um, if you're a guy or a couple with full-time jobs, two years, you ought to be able to get an extension. I don't think two years is long enough, actually. And so to town code, you're allowed one 180-day um, extension, so one six-month extension. Yeah, um, if you're really making, if you're doing it every time, it, some people, if you're working too, you know, full-time, you're not going to be out there every single day building. Oh, and and you're, you're preaching to the choir. It's, it, I, I, <laughs> I definitely understand that, and um, that's been... Uh, I've had that conversation with myself and uh, with my staff, so it's uh, well, definitely. Uh, I can tell you one thing that happened with one of my rental properties was I had a nice rental property next to a place that was really nice, and I was working there, and I was Boy, when I sold, I took a hit because the crash hit, and they couldn't stay there. They couldn't finish the build. I had a zombie house next to me, and it cost me $35,000 in value on my property to have a zombie house next to me. So if they had been able to stay there and keep building, because they didn't really lose their job, they lost their building permit. And man, did I take a hit on my property value. So that's something to think about, too, is property values in a neighborhood when you have a zombie house. Because it's not good. And Lynn, Lynn did bring up a good subject, because I know I built my house, and it took me 13 months, and I was working on it seven days a week. So, I mean, two years might be pushing it mm -hmm. for somebody that has to work. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would agree. For people that buy a lot and they can't afford to build a house yet and they don't have anywhere else to live. I don't understand why they can't live on their property. If they have a septic tank and they have power and everything's clean and there's no issues with security or, you know, anything being done wrong, to me that's that's not right that you can't live on your property if you can't afford to build that house yet. Better than being homeless. I think he's right. If you have a well and a septic, there should be no problem with an RV. That's where I'm it, except it. except what it does is it, the people surrounding properties go down in value because of that. Right, and that's as I'm as I'm having this as I'm having to reboot I'm not sure this. That's true. Right, as I'm having to reboot this. So part of the building process and whatnot. So an RV doesn't meet code. So an RV is actually um, a different code than our RRC. So. That's where it really becomes, it really comes into it. So they, they go by a different code, a different standard. Um, and, you know, that's that's going to be part of the, the conversation that I'll be able to have with you um, off off the deal. Oh, sure. I've seen our, most of the RVs I've seen around here look better than some of the single wise <laughs> that are on yeah. the properties. Yeah. No. Definitely uh, devalue your property. Would that fall on the manufacturing home? 
Yeah, um, not manufactured home. It actually falls. It's and for whatever reason, I'm spacing on the. It's it's not an IRC code. It is. It's actually an uh, uh, RV code, and so that's why we can't do as a primary residence. We can't do park models because park models actually fall under the RV code. They don't fall under a building code. So the state, you know, there there's other other entities. They don't fall under our jurisdiction. So. What I was going to say is uh, it's difficult to get electricity hooked up to your lot because APS will not hook up on normal situations, will not hook up temporary power. Um, they want a permanent location to put that power. And so if you're going to build a house and you put a pedestal in, our code says that, you know, now you can't feed your house off that pedestal. You're going to have to pull a new line in because code says accessory dwellings um, need to be powered off of the original power of the house. So that there there lies an issue because APS won't hook you up. They won't put a meter in unless you have a permanent location for your meter. So if you want to put in like if I don't know how you would get power otherwise to a to a to an RV, if you're gonna if you want to live on your property, I'm all for living on your property, like you say. I mean, prime example. I got a friend that lives out in the county area, bought a lot, doesn't have the money to build a house. He lives in his RV on his lot. He bought, you know, he's got septic there, but he runs a generator. That's how he powers up his his RV, and he's got solar panels. So you would have to do an alternative source of you. APS will not put a meter in. Unless it's a the permanent lot next location. door to me has a meter and a pole on it, and there's nobody living there. It's got power on the lot already. That pole would be a permanent location. Absolutely. Correct. So that would be the only way you could do power is you'd have to have a permanent location. They will not install a meter on. I understand. A, so you can get power to your RV on your lot if you want to. Correct. With Thank a you. permanent location. They will do a temporary installation with a meter. If our code is making it difficult for the power company to hook up, when I had my house, my first house built, I had power hooked up to it. It was on the pole, and they moved it to the house after the construction was done. That was SRP. I don't think Chandler had any stupid codes that prevented that because they were all about grow, 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 more, more, more. So um, if there's a code problem that makes it hard for people to, I don't see how you would build anything without having a power company, source of a power company power to your property to actually do your building. I mean, we did, the, we finished the build, we had somebody start it, but the contractor had to have power. <laughs> so if, if there's a problem with that, that code needs to be fixed. Okay, so when I'm proposing this, because we've had a good, Discussion about this, if you would um, fill out a form and submit it. Um, I'm not sure what question to ask. <laughs> well, we just went over like 10 questions. Let's see here. No, it has to do with power that and one the was RV. Great. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about the RV. Oh, possible uh, temporary power. Well, not just the power, uh, additional power, but the extension of time. Um, so that, that's an important 
Regarding this, um, one of the things that I would like to see the administrative uh, staff do is set up a process for taking applications for uh, zone zoning changes or um, land splits. Um, if it's an LLC, a corporation, trust, um, private entities, there's uh, certain things that need to be submitted with applications. I'm not sure if that's already in place, but uh, this would this would be a con uh, consistent process uh, for any request coming forward to us on the Planning and Zoning Committee. Um, so I'm not sure if you guys have that already in place in the office, but something that we can maybe talk about. Um, Mr. Garcia? Thank you, and um, I had sent an email to Mr. Fields, and I believe he would have forwarded that to you all some research that I previously done on this uh, matter. And the only thing I didn't include is some potential language that could be included just for clarification of that section that had to do with the five-year waiting period. And the idea, if, if you read through the document, is to resemble what's in the state statute uh, why we wouldn't want some the same person splitting property time and time and time again. And the county references are pretty much uses the same language as the state, saying that the same entity, same person cannot continually split the property. So if the five-year wait is specific to that, to uh, eliminate having the same entity, same person do the same split, that would make more sense versus restricting anybody from splitting their own land just because they have to wait five years. Right, so I think the recommendation would be is just to clarify what's the purpose of the five years and looking at the title history to demonstrate that it is not the same person or entity. So some um, language to that effect. Um, I, I deal with land a lot, and I think that one of the things that I'd like to see our staff more propose a, a solution is that 
when you do a land split as a landowner, um, there's an encumbrance that you can place on the land. And if they sell that land to a separate party, they have to come in and they have to prove that they're a separate party, they're not connected. Then you can do a, 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 a release through title so that it's not an encumbrance and they and, and it can be insured for another split. Um, but, but that's a complicated process. It's, it's, it's a big process, but it's something that um, could be very successful because then it eliminates the same person coming in and, and continuing to split the land. Yeah. It's a stop at all of that. So. Correct. And I think it's a good idea to have the splitter, the owner, confirm that with proof, prior history. Uh, it doesn't need to fall on the city to prove it. It should apply to the landowner. They're the ones requesting it and saying, this is why I should be able to do it. I've owned it, and I bought it from whoever, no relationship there, and I want to split it, and it meets all the zoning requirements. So I think the requirement of proving it's okay. It's just having to wait the five years to do it. That's well, the, yeah, that's the if issue. Not connected, if, right. If Sure, and I totally agree with all that confirmation. But the way we're applying it today is that if it's split, you have to wait five years, regardless of right. the history. And that's the issue. on page 69, 152.04 pre-application conference. Okay, I think that should be included in the pre-application conference. Um, you know, with the community development department staff, that's a requirement to do a land split. Um, that's the first step in doing a land split as far as the town staff is involved. Um, if you're if you want to come, all, the, all these documents that you're talking about you know, proving that it that it was an arm's length transaction, that it waited five years, da 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 da. All this should be presented at that pre-application conference. I'm reading, I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree with you. And you're also going to go into 152.05, which is the procedures for a land split. Under Section B, review of preliminary documents, that would be a preliminary document to this land split. But under, on page 70, 152.05, 
section A to C, documentation of land division history of the parcel. Documentation may consist of assessors, maps, and records, deeds, title history search, or any other information that would be credible that would credibly show the number of land divisions that have occurred during the five-year period preceding the application. So part of part of the land split would require a, a, a legal description. Part of the, the biggest problem that we that the assessor's office has in Maricopa County. Is there's a lot of uh, exception uh, language out there, except a portion of whatever it is, and it ends up being a sliver of property that's accepted out on a legal description, and it creates a more of a havoc on, on that type of split. So this section is where I would probably submit a form and, and proposal for changes. Yes. Having lived here for 24 years, I have split some property over time. The process itself works fine. The town does their due diligence, make sure it meets the right size of the property, that it, there's enough requirements there. The only issue is that five-year and the ownership. That's the only issue. Like I said, I've done it plenty of times, and I'm a broker, and I help folks that buy real estate here understand the process but it's just that five-year wait. So the whole process internally, the forms they have, the pre-conference, all that works fine. It's just the well, interpretation well, of the five I'd years. Like yeah. I'd like to see how this works because um, I, I don't take away the fact that five years is a long time for anybody to wait. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. I don't have a disagreement there. But finding the connections, there are trust out there with you know, people have trusts. They have beneficiaries of the trust. They have corporations. They have LLCs within the corporations. <clears throat> so all of that has to be investigated first before they can determine whether there's a connection or not. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's what we're looking at. So. Is there anybody that would like to speak? <coughs> Everybody good? Everybody good? changes for um, the preliminary plat procedures? No? Uh, yeah, but we still have a ways to go. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead air. It's really the show not a fun thing for everybody. So. Are you, still, are, are you still going to be wanting to stick with the 152 or? No, we can move on oh. to the next code. I mean, whatever code well, you want to talk about, let's move on to the next code. <clears throat> 153, um, 016 is not conforming. This is instructions. I think it's page 89. 
053.0016, non-conforming uses and structures. Madam Chair. I, yes. Are we done with 152 then? Because this is part of moving back and forth, bouncing back and forth on this. Okay, I, I, I'm waiting for somebody to say something, but she's next. So um, if nobody has anything to say, we can move on. this is that we've got a dead downtown area that basically <coughs> once they stopped having their businesses down there they fit this they can't they can't do anything now without bringing everything up to a brand new code before if they were as long as it's continue the continuation is going on but when you're over a year on the commercial if you're vacant out for over a year you really can't do much with your property anymore. So my concern is to read this through and see if it's logical in the situation we're dealing with with our downtown. Um, so under this continuation, Last, the last meeting for um, the council, they wanted to um, make it a historic district. Does that change anything for um, non-conforming uses on structures that may actually have historic? My understanding on that is if it became a historic designation, then that designation would trump anything else. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, um, if it's non-conforming for a period of 12 months, except as noted for dwelling units, any subsequent use shall conform to the provisions of this chapter. But if it's in a historic district, does that change the, the view of how we look at this code? Right, because typically in the historic district, what's happening is most of those are non-conforming. You know, they're not up to code. They're things like that. So in that code, it's basically saying, hey, if you, if, if you don't take care of it in that 12 months, then basically you've lost that opportunity. But if it was historic designation, it's already been, a lot of times it's already non-conforming for many years. So uh, that is part of it. There's more to it and I don't necessarily, I haven't peeled through all of it. You know, obviously, like you said, the council's looking at it and there's some good and bad to it. But the big benefit to it is it allows the town to uh, 
look at not necessarily a lesser code, but working with the homeowner on some of that non-conforming use. Okay. I ran into this situation down at Tombstone. Uh, regardless of historical, if it has public ask us, it still has to be brought up to commercial regulations. And, and you are right. There, there are a lot of ins and outs structurally. Uh, there are some things, you know, you can get a structural engineer in there and uh -huh. they can say, hey, this is great. But electrical and stuff like that. You, electrical, you're plumbing, at, mechanical, all has to be brought up to standards. You are absolutely right. Yeah. So. Include a fire suppression system. Uh, correct. And I, and I think there are some limitations, not only on square footage, but how much uh, you actually do to the building. But if we were to do look at something like our main street, a lot of those buildings, there would probably be a hard argument that some of that stuff's original. Like, you know, maybe the look is original, but that it's gone through so many changes that it would probably be stuck. So. And to add to that um, fire suppression system, you can, you, the, that's up to the fire marshal. That's not up to the building department. That's not up to our code. That's up to the fire marshal at CAFMA um, to tell you based on the distance of the fire department to your location, how, how many gallons of water you have to have. You have to have auxiliary tanks and everything else. You cannot rely on the service to that. Prime example, let's look at our main street right now. There's a three-inch water water main going down that street, and there's one-inch feeders coming off of that, and the water the water utility company the water company here cannot suffice that fire suppression system and maintain that pressure and guarantee that pressure for X amount of time whatever the fire marshal determines that is, so that that would be a burden as well on. Um, these buildings downtown. That has just changed from what I understand. It used to be 5,000 square feet you needed sprinkler systems. 2,500. No, now it's, if there's more than 100 people that have access to the building, it doesn't matter the square footage. Yeah, and, I, ju and, I just found this out today. Well, and the square footage still uh, comes into play as well. So there, you know, there, there's a square footage of 2,500. There's a square footage of 5,000. Um, there's a lot of variables, but uh, I believe you're right on the, the on the occupancy count. So. I have no good input for this. I'm just trying to tell you your sound is going in and out, and I'm getting texts to ask to tell you that was all you have to get closer to it and in uh, big men tend to be softer spoken and so <laughs> I, I step back from yeah, the mic is that I, what you're saying I already, <laughs> got a uh, request as well I'm saying, not loud enough yeah like yeah, right well, there you don't have to be very loud Although that doesn't always pertain in this town. Oh, no. <laughs> I can hear you. I, I'm, try, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm, I apologize to the public. I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to really be in good, uh, good form here. All right. So, Miss um, Collins, did you have something? Well, the other concern I have on this is the, on the non-conforming use is with the six-month limit on homes. I when I 
started shopping up here. I was shopping the zombie home market, all the empty stuff. And basically, what the real estate people would tell me is that if you buy it, the town you buy it in is going to slap the hell out of you for fees and all of that to bring it up to code once they find out, if there's a way that they can find out. If you go in and ask for a permit to add on or do something stupid like that and you don't keep your head down under under the ground and you pop your head up and start asking for permits on this thing and they realize it's been empty or something had been pulled and it wasn't finished or something, then it's you're going to have a big bill. So it, it hurts, I think it hurts the housing market and it helps to create um, a problem as far as resale on, on problem properties. It's arbitrary. Six months is an arbitrary thing. Okay, so where I don't like six arbitrary. Months, I, where, and what page does it say six It months? would be paragraph A for the six months. Or discontinued, oh, it's actually lower. I thought it was six months. It's 30 days for a dwelling unit. <clears throat> what page are you on? It's page 89, code 1530-16. Oh, oh, paragraph down on the left. Yeah. Okay. 30 days is just very oh. unreasonable. I don't, our arbitrary stuff to me is unreasonable. If you're an investor and you want to buy and rehab a property, the town ought to be kissing your feet. So to have a lot of extra baggage on top of it with bringing things up to code when it was working before the guy lost the house to the mortgage company or something. I just think it's worth looking at and trying to be a little bit more reasonable. I don't know what the answers are, but it's unreasonable. Well, I'm of the thought that we ought to try and help the owners downtown because everybody oh, no. in this room, I think, wants that to be mm -hmm. rehabbed. Oh yeah, um, and if we make it so obviously it's too hard to do mm -hmm. monetarily, mm -hmm. they're just not going to do it, and it's going to get mowed down. And God knows there might be apartments put in there. Who knows? We don't have water for apartments. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I hope. That's probably the only reason it hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. If you get city water, you're probably going to have apartments all over the place because the zoning allows for it, which yeah. would be a complete disaster. And in my past, I believe the type of building constructability has something to do with the amount of fire sprinklers that are necessary. Is that not correct, Tom? Wood frame, block building, structural steel, that's not all a different amount of fire sprinklers? Every type of building has a different system. Right, okay. Okay, getting back to the discontinuance, is there a, and I'm not sure if we can put this in your form, have you submitted, you've submitted this form? I just put it in to look at it because okay. I believe it's hurting our downtown. I mainly put it in because I believe it's hurting our downtown, getting people to come in and invest. I thought I could, I can't find it and I looked for it, but I remember when we, when we readopted the building code, I could have swore there was already an exception in there somewhere for historic buildings. It didn't have to be even in a district, but I couldn't find it. I don't know if it survived the rewrite and it just didn't get into here, but I have to go and pull my file out. It's like a foot tall and see if I can find it. So Robert, I have a question for you and you probably won't know the answer right now, but uh, and that's okay because that's something that just came to mind. Um, if if somebody is um, not in a building for 30 days and is put on the market, um, 
say they haven't occupied the building for six years and they decide to sell it, does that, does the town track those things? Is there, they don't track those things. So there's really no way of proving when it was unoccupied. Correct. And, and in addition to that, one of the things that like town code and, and policy uh, is going to be, you know, and it's, it's typical where once you build a house, you have to be in it a year. You know, you have to live in it a year. There's not a mechanism for us to track it either. So um, well, here's my yeah. thing is that there's nothing that they have on record, say they don't have anything on record. Mm -hmm. It's not a recorded document against the property. So really, they, it doesn't follow the land. When there's a land ownership change, you can't prove what happened. Well, so, I, and I don't think that's something that, um, I mean, I really don't think that they have the manpower to even track No, my, my problem is if you've got a code that's not even enforceable at all, why have the code? But the other thing is, is when you're shopping zombie houses, which, and I did quite a few, I looked at quite a few unfinished construction. And it's like my real estate people were telling me, um, yeah, you're going to go in there and they're going to pull it, the file on that on that parcel and see a unfinished construction. Right. So if I can if I can jump in on that. So in your particular case, if there was a completed CFO for it, you know, that it actually finished out, then it's a valid it's a valid livable structure. We have we don't track it. If it was never if it was never um, given a certificate of occupancy then the permit ends up becoming void and you have to start all over again. Some of, yeah, some of these, a lot of these were that way. They were like, they were adding on, they were changing something, they were renovating. I think the one, the, one of them just now, I think about two years ago, I finally saw that it actually sold. It was a zombie house for that long. Yeah, as a... As an individual, it would be a nightmare to get involved in one of those houses that is wouldn't that didn't get a CFO, like because it. I would agree, so I don't know. I wouldn't know how to. Fix what the that. answer to it is, but if it's not a, a code that's even enforceable. Well, when it comes to a not having clearance for your house, it's enforceable because uh, just nothing, you know, no no utilities or anything like you're just not going to be able to, you know, you might be able to do power or whatever, but you know, bank's not going to lend on it because it doesn't have a clearance on it. Eventually it might come up through the town. So it would be enforceable at the town uh, from the point that we would make you come into compliance before you're allowed to do anything else. Okay. Right. So you could, you could pay cash on a building and not realize that you have this latent problem and that type of, yeah. Okay. No, we're going to let you. We have to let you make the mistake, and then it and then it becomes on our radar. Yeah. Okay. No. Yes, Jason. I'm sorry. I think this non-conforming use that Lynn's talking about, and what you're calling zombie houses, I think Robert nailed on it. Um, I don't think they relate wholeheartedly. Um, if Let's look at the 08 recession. There was a lot of houses that, you know, were built and contractors lost their funding and they weren't able to complete. And those houses ended up having to either be redrawn, rebrought, brought in under the newly adopted building code. I don't 
you know, I think there was a couple here. There was more in Prescott Valley and Prescott and Chino, um, but they had to be re resubmitted for a new application because that that permit expires after eighteen months, two years, or two years, or one hundred eighty days if you haven't got an inspection. So, so there is a trigger. Yeah. So there's something that triggers that. So um, let's just let's point our let's just think of everybody was aware of the viewpoint fire that went through Prescott Valley and the castle that burned down. That guy was was building that castle with funds that he had available as he went. Now that structure has been sitting there since viewpoint fire, non-conforming use in order for him, there's not much left of it, but in order for him to reuse that, he would have to go to the town of Prescott Valley and apply for a new application and, you know, a new permit and go from there. That's any municipality. I mean, you've got them in California. You've got them all over the place, but, I, I think it, I think if I'm sorry. I would like to ask Robert: Do we have any of those in this town that at this present time that are incompleted, incomplete that don't meet codes? Um, I don't know about not meeting code, but we do. Yeah, that we have a few that are not complete in town that I've picked up on that are you know they date back you know oh eight. 06 something like that because okay I, so they interest me so i you know i go figuring out why they're sitting there so yeah but only a couple i mean out of the it's gonna the, say yeah. there's not a whole I, lot i maybe have three on my radar okay so. i've actually done a couple of these projects over the years it's been back east but what we did is we hired an engineer to come in do a yeah. run through the house and let him deal with the bank all that you can do you just stay out of it until you get his information back to you and the information from the bank and you're clear to go just pull your permit keep going and that's what you have to do engineer stamp trumps everything oh yeah <laughs> okay so are are we satisfied with that discussion or do you want yeah. something additional okay is there someone else that i'm not trying to jump around but i'm trying to make it interesting so, come up with a code that you want to challenge. Well, I've got this one here, but... Okay, let's talk about it. It's I one, mean, I just want to change it to where all the lots in town have to have a grading plan because we've had so many issues, especially back here, with sites that get done, and then the poor guy down the bottom of the hill got two feet of water in his yard. Yeah, no, I agree. And so how did you um, how did you change? Uh, how did you did you add something? What was your thought? I, I don't know what to change it to. I just put for all lots uh, to be regrade uh, grading plan due to a water runoff. So all all building permits would require a grading and drainage plan. You're, if you're digging on a lot, I mean, if you put in a driveway, that's fine. But if you're building a house where you've got a septic system and well, everything else going in, you need a grading plan. That's I want to know where that water's going. It's already required. Huh? That's already required as part of the building. Permit. Not in this town. It's not only only if it's one acre or more. Right. The 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 trigger for that. Jason, is there? There is an exception if you're owner builder. Um, if Yavapai flood 
flags it for us, then I have to require it. I don't have a choice. And if I go out and do a site visit and it worries me, then I have the right to ask for it. But in general, uh, if everything, if, if I can't show there's an issue, then uh, it's not required. Well, I would I would agree with Mr. Millette. All, all, not just anything over an acre or more, all new applications for building permits should include a grading plan. Because we've had this issue brought up before in town council meetings and public comment where um, I'm not going to name names, but people in the Blue Hill or the foothills up here were um, having problems with their neighbor moving dirt around and all of a sudden they've got flooding in their property. You know, I'm getting a lot of shaking heads in the audience as I'm seeing them with, you know, so that that's an alarming concern of mine. And I would assume everybody else here that I wouldn't, if I, if I'm downhill from somebody, I wouldn't want just because they changed the topography of their property. I wouldn't want that to affect what I had is grading around my house that might not be good enough now. Would you agree, Mr. Brandt? There is a code in here already that speaks to that as far as doing any grading on your property and pushing water in a different direction Correct. and affecting your neighbor. Uh -huh. Is it definitely against the code? That's a mm -hmm. whole different thing than talking about a grading permit on a new construction. That code already exists in here, and I could probably spend 10 minutes and find it for you, <laughs> but I know it's in here. Um, oh, yeah, it's in here, but it still <clears throat> doesn't affect lots under one acre. That's the key. It should be all, it should be all residential. Yeah. It well, should include all lots. With that being said, you're relying on the property owner to be a trustworthy person. Well, when you, when you come in and take a, pull a permit out, you're going to specify your acreage. The ordinance I'm talking about, I don't think it's tied to a permit. It's just doing yeah, it talks, it, it talks about uh, adhering to the natural drainage right. of the yeah. lot. Mm -hmm. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. 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 But if you need a grading permit to do any grading, it's that category right. falls under that grading permit. Right. And in some builds don't need don't actually need grading or they wouldn't fall under because it's so minor, you know, any, I mean, any more, the good lots are gone. So the grading is <laughs> getting more and more difficult, yeah. but in general, there are lots that, or they've been graded somewhere down the line. So there isn't a paper trail, but I'm not necessarily opposed to the fact, like if every building permit needed a grading and drainage plan, because then it wouldn't, there, it'd be an in uh, story, right? So it would it'd be a requirement. So, right but that's about, up to you guys. You're right about the lots because <laughs> when I bought my lot, I found the only five acre flat lot in the whole town. You had very minimal grading to do, if any, when you put your uh -huh. house in. Yep. That's great. So Mr. Brandt, the ordinance you're looking for is 150.08. It's the grading ordinance code. Page. There. I know I've read it. I just can't remember where it was. I know I just saw it. It is on page 34. 35, I'm sorry. Um, 
There is hereby adopted the Dewey Humboldt Grading Code. Said document is hereby adopted to set forth rules and regulations to control excavation, grading, and earthwork construction, including fills and embankments, and provides for approval plans and inspections of grading construction. The Dewey Humboldt Administrative Building Code establishes the administrative procedure for issuance of permits and collection of fees, therefore, in providing for severability and each and all conditions in terms of the Dewey Humboldt Grading Ordinance. just a combination of these codes with the bill when they pull a building permit they have the grading but also a grading so categorize it under or uh, it definitely falls under the grading because it does specify inspections yeah. mm -hmm. or at least note it so that it returns it back to this as, as a necessary part of the process. For you, the original one, yeah. And then maybe this one's 108. Uh, maybe we can put this one under that and see about um, cross referencing. You combine it 108. Uh, Don't you think? Because we're trying to eliminate confusion. Yeah, let's just combine it 108. 150.08. Yeah, because the 108 is more specific. It goes. That's why that should all fall under the same category. I agree. That's that's part of the reason we're here try to get this stuff straightened out. Right. Well, and it, it can, uh, I want to point out that it could almost be a, a task that would be, I like the idea of maybe adding something in there that just generally says a building permit requires, you know, grading and drainage because right. I'm worried that we might miss a section and then there's some weird loophole that right. is I, agree. In, I agree. Right? So I agree. Just change it to one category and delete the rest. Yeah. So under built, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and not necessarily delete the, because there's also, you know, you go through here, there's some, uh, you know, grading, there's a scale on like how much dirt gets moved and all that. And I don't want to necessarily lose that. There's nothing wrong with it, but um, yeah, I want to. Obviously, your guys' so job is to stop the loopholes. So, right. Yeah. So categorize grading, and then in the permit permit section, just say please refer to this page for the requirement. Correct. And that way. Oh. Yeah. So it would be. Yeah. You only got it one time in this book, and not three or four different ways. You just refer back to the one page. So. Yeah, it's I, going through this code book. It sometimes it gets a little. Obviously, we're getting to experience that. It's like, oh yeah, go here, and then oh yeah, go here. So, would we all agree to add a grading permit requirement to all new absolutely building applications? It, can they not hear me? They should be able to. I can you hear. I know if you're just talking residential. No, we're talking all. 
all pro all all lots all new building application permits will include will include a grading permit application as well right there's so, a there's a requirement for grading if they're doing any modifications requiring a building permit phase um, grading would be part of that application whether it's applicable or not that would be up to staff I'm sorry? You don't need a permit to move all soil. And what they're what they're picking on is actually when there's a, a building permit So it would not be uh, yeah, if you're dusting off soil for your garden or something like that, you don't need to Would it be an added cost for this? Would it be an added inspection or anything added? It would just be part of the of the building permit. So no, no, yeah. I'm curious because I just pulled a permit, built the garage. There was no grading. I had no grading plan, mm -hmm. and I don't want to be a guy that has to pay more money to do that. Right. To be required to have a grading plan when there's no grading required. Right. So there is a cost for a grading permit. So if you if you you move X amount of dirt, um, then there is a charge for that. But just to have a grading plan, uh, uh, grading and drainage plan, you know, you might have a flat piece of property. And all you need to do is show where the drainage is and you're good to go. Um, or you could live on the side of a hill and have to carve out, you know, 300 cubic yards. And that's going to cost you money. With that was basically permit. all on the site plan that I drew. I showed all the drainage on the site plan. Okay. Yes, it would need to be spelled out. No, it might be just as simple as you duplicate that site plan if it's all, if it's all on there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, just be aware, 104.2 exempted work, a grading permit is not required for the following. And it talks about, you know, excavation below, finished grade for basements or footings of a building, yada, yada, cemetery graves, yada, yada, refuse so, disposal sites. So there are some sections here that, that don't require. So are you proposing that we, we eliminate this exempted work section? I, I no. say... We get rid of it, and if the situation comes up, you can exempt it out at that time. Right, and as a building official, I always have that option. Now, uh, one of my pet peeves is the drainage, so I, yeah, I definitely, the reason why they do stuff like basements and stuff like that is that's actually going to be considered a footer slash part of the structure, so it wouldn't fit into grading, that type of stuff. So I think they were trying to keep somebody from, like, overstepping on that end of it. Yeah, well, there's, there's like uh, nine different sections here about it. Yeah. So I wouldn't say get rid of that, more or less. I would say categorize it. I would say categorize it. And what we're, and this is exempted work for a grading permit, not a grading plan, yeah. which two different things here. Because, yep. you know, if uh, the grading permit, for example, grading permit under eight, it says fill less than one foot in depth. And place when I did my building permit for my house, I had to put in a grading permit as well, which was an added fee, Kip. Yeah. Because I had 17 inches of fill on one side, because I had that much difference in elevation on my lot that I had to do, and I had to get it engineered soil soil samples and all that. Um, Thank you for bringing that up because it's not just cubic feet. If you're over 12 inches, certain type of soil, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
what I, what I was also going to say is um, it's part of the final inspection in our building code, in our building department. When Robert goes out and does a final inspection, you must have six inches of drop within 10 feet of the house, within 10 feet of the structure. That's part of the final inspection. So that would fall underneath the grading plan as well. But it's like Mel said, put it in as under one oak law and refer the specifics to 150. Pretty easy to understand. I would agree. Are we ready to move on to the next battle? <laughs> Pick a battle. <laughs> I think we're making progress here. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it up to everyone to pull out something they like to want to talk about. So, Ms. Collins? Okay, I've noticed there's no definition of tiny home. Now, tiny homes have been mentioned previously in, like, way back in 2013 and things like that. Um, so everybody, if you're watching the news, you all know what an issue it is for people to find affordable housing right now. Some of these tiny homes are just, they look like little cabins, and they're really nice looking structures. So I would, I'm kind of interested in exploring an option of possibly if you ground set it, you know, you buy the tiny home and you put it on a, or whatever you have to do to make it a structure. I don't think we have a minimum square footage of what a house is supposed to be. That was mentioned. Somebody right. asked me right so there if you go through the code there's a there's a couple of numbers in there that give you for minimum square footage. Um, in general for primary uh, residents uh, the the number that I give out is 399 square feet which is a very small house. Um, when it comes to tiny houses, once again, we, we fall under a different code. So if you're, you know, I've seen some of these tiny houses that look amazing, you know, some of these park models that look amazing and they don't fit under the IRC code. So the, the town doesn't, um, allow them as a primary, primary residence. So, and typically those, you know, they, you'll see a lot of those built as 399 because they fall underneath that, um, that uh, building permit slash uh, uh, auxiliary, you know, dwelling unit type idea. So, um, and it's not even dwelling, it's actually just auxiliary st uh, structure. So, uh, so 399 square feet um, is not in here. If you go, if you go through there, there's a couple of numbers they throw out. One of them's 120 square feet for is going to be minimum space for the living room. Um, there's 70 feet minimum for each bedroom. There's some other numbers in there. I don't, I don't have them committed to memory. You, you'd have to find them, but I'm hopefully I'm giving you the tools to look them up in here. So well, I've had multiple questions about it. And right. Because affordable housing is a big problem. Oh, I would agree. And if it's something that is just an arbitrary rule, and if the town can allow, I don't see anything unsafe about tiny homes. I just don't. So yeah, to actually, you know, if you're talking about like a, a home that's brought in, because typically the, the 
tiny homes or the park, you know, I'll, I'll reference a park model because they're typically the ones that are factory built. No, there's, a, there's a size limit on those. Right. And so, and they fall under the same um, building code, um, that end of it. It's, I don't know why I'm spacing on it, but um, right. So typically they're brought in on wheels, the wheels are taken off, they're set and stuff like that. So that's, that's not something that we would be able to get away with uh, in code, but yeah, maybe we can define in here tiny home and then, and then solidify square footage for a tiny home as a site built house. So, because even the dollar amount as a tiny home site built house would be far more reasonable than, uh, you know, cause I've seen some of those, uh, park model type homes, hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And that's, uh, that seems a little excessive. The other issue I have with affordable housing is if we've got a lot of vacant space with weeds and things and for fire risk, that's it. That's an issue for us. And if we can make it easier for somebody to put a structure on a house, on a vacant lot and live in it, and they're watching their yard and they're keeping up on their maintenance, then we don't, we have one less Oh, so the code, it's an ANSI code. I, I knew it'd pop in my head. It's just a way to be so. more cooperative to try to get, I don't want more growth, but I would like to have some more um, flexibility. flexibility, yeah, just mm -hmm. to make it better for people that want to move here and be part of the community. You've got a lot of retirees, you've got a lot of people that are, you know, single. That are looking for something affordable and if you could get rid of some of the vacant lots and you have less dry weeds in the neighborhood it's just safer it's just an idea and somebody i've had several people ask me about the tiny homes so. i think it's an excellent idea to define it maybe look at it you know propose a change i i don't know what that looks like but uh yeah i i, I would agree with you yeah. yeah i have no idea what it looks like either but i told them i'd bring it up the International Residential Code requires that all homes must be built on a minimum of 320 square feet. Okay. And that falls underneath the tiny home requirement of 400 square feet. I think where I got where I I started handing out the 399 because then that gets you underneath um, some of the other requirements. That's underneath the tiny home requirement, um, but the minimum square footage for a house has to be by the IRC has to be 320 square feet, nothing smaller. Would you be upset with me if I went back to one more question on the grading? Not at all. <laughs> Are these grading plans? Robert, do they need to be engineered? So if you're talking about your cutting, so in our, in our specifications, if you take more than 50 cubic yards, it's part cutting of Cutting and filling, I would understand. Right, exactly. Like. So ideally the grading plans, what we're trying to do is set up a standard so everybody follows all the same rules. So the grading, grading and drainage plan would be redundant for a lot of properties that if you had a flat property or you didn't have 50 cubic yards. But the minute it fit into the 50 cubic yards or you had more than 12 inches of fill, then you would definitely have an, a possibility for engineering. So everybody knows then. So if you're going to build a house and you don't need a bunch of grading and you draw your own grading plan, you're fine with that without engineering. I have a problem with that. Without so I might come back to you and ask you for something else or say, I notice you're missing this. Please add that. But uh, other than that, it would be. The reason I ask is engineering is very expensive. Oh, yeah. And, and, and keep in mind, I like to help, 
And so I definitely, there are people that I walk through because I know that it's thousands of dollars in some cases. We appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Robert, those standards, those standards are, uh, that I threw out there are found in Exhibit D under the Arizona Department of Housing dating back to 2014. Okay. And it's updated every year. Yeah, thank you, Jason, because I will. Um, and it's also HUD as well. Yeah, I'll, uh, I will double check that tomorrow, and I will just for the sake of having, being able to argue that fact, I will probably revise my uh, conversations over that, but not by much. I have a, a clarification question. All these items that we've talked about tonight, um, what's going to happen to them? In other words, are, are, are we going to give them to Dan and let him? Uh, well, this is the form that we we should fill out right so if right. you have something that you want to know fill okay. this form out we'll give it to dan he's batching it over to the attorney right the attorney's right. going to look at it and say okay how can we legally do this okay. and then bring it back to us and then we'll go ahead and um open it up for a vote yeah to move forward or to change or to to keep the same so the people that brought up these items you know like like uh, keep down here uh, would, would he would he be the one to fill that out and then yes okay right. yes absolutely. I'm just you know I just I just I was just like you know having been to the town meeting a couple of days ago and everybody's like well gee we talked about this you know 80 days ago and nothing's happened or something I'm oh like, no well, we're gonna follow up with it he's committing <laughs> we're not, we're not the town council. <laughs> <laughs> no we're already anxious to find out shot. what the lawyer wants it's right so, over the bell. <laughs> so um coming to this point and I know we've kind of skipped around but we're learning a lot about these codes and I will get to you in just a moment I want to kind of wrap this portion of the meeting up um, after we hear from mr. Chisholm unless he wants to move to a different code do you want to move to a different I code? am in a different code and it's okay. actually something that's been eating me alive for okay a long so time we're now. gonna take care of, of that um, that we're gonna address that code tonight we're gonna do it right now but at some point, we're going to need to move on to the next item on the agenda. So um, go ahead, Mr. Chisholm. On page 131, okay. and I will do a form of this. It's actually an enforcement action. 153.076, height limits on fences. Uh, underneath B, 2A. On a residential zone lot or that portion of other lots contiguous thereto, four feet in the front yard and six feet inside or rear yards. With that being said, at no point on any corner of that fence shall the two top rails be coinciding heights. Correct? Uh, coinciding heights. They should not be the same height, correct? Well, in the backyard at the sides. Well, on the front corners, I mean. Okay, Thank yes, you. you're right. You're correct. On the front corners. So, the um, within the setbacks. Um, okay, I'm 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 gonna have have. This and you cut. know where I'm going on this. I do. I do. Uh, it's you know I I get to talk to you. So if you look through the code, that four feet in the front and six feet in the back is going to be or on the side on the sides is going to be based on 
what you can uh, what can be obscured, what can be a solid portion of the fence. Um, if you look at that, you're actually allowed to have another uh, residential. You're allowed to have another 50% that's, that would be another 50% of whatever the number is that would be clear, uh, that wind and light can run through at 50%. So in, in all reality is, is that you can have four feet in the front of solid, or it could be cattle fence or whatever. And then because you could have another 50%, you could actually have a total of six feet. Um, if it, if the top two feet is, um, is clear. So, um, Right. So let's say you put a block wall, four feet, solid block wall. Or if I'm in front of Tom's uh, Tom's place, he put up um, he has put up a rock retaining wall. So you have four you have four feet at that point. Anything taller than that, you you it would ha I'd have to be able to see through it. Um, so that's the way that's the way the rules are put. But if you take if you have a five foot um, no climb fence, then it, it meets the criteria because you know it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be solid. So you can't do those baskets. You couldn't do. Could you do get away with? columns that are five feet in those uh they call them gabion to, baskets i would have to look at how they were incorporated into it um it, but if they are part of it and you know they have structure like they've put material in them or something like that then no they couldn't be any taller than four feet does that make sense it was just a clarification okay, okay. and it, it, keep in mind each case is a little different so you know, some people put monuments up in front that could be classified as a flag or, you know, some kind of a, a flag. And at that point in time, then that's a whole nother ballpark. But that's um, you can't have a fence taller than four feet in the front uh, solid wise. If you want to add, well, you know, barbed wire would be inappropriate. But, yeah, if you want to add something else on top, you get another two feet. Miss Collins, that's 20 and that's only 50 percent in residential. It's 25 percent. Commercial industrial zone lots. Okay, thank you. And I, I don't deal enough with the commercial. It's design. under it's under three under that section B. Yeah, I always like to ask like why we have to have a four foot fence limit because people ask me why do we why are we not allowed a four, four a five foot six foot privacy fence limit? Right, and I that's going to be that four foot six foot um, issue is going to be how we we've handled it in the past. I guess is what the deal is. Um, and yeah, it, it, it is because if you look at, if you run through the code and everything, it, the four feet comes from the fact that it's that first four feet that we're worried about. And then that 20, that 50% addition. So, um, cause you'd be amazed at how many people want privacy in their front yard because of the, large, the size of the lots here. Sometimes the house is way back. I would usable part of the yard is in front. Right. And if you look at the code, it refers to that four feet. When you talk about a privacy fence, you're talking about blocking it out. So you get that's four feet. Um, if you want to just put up a no climb fence where it's, you know, got the squares and you can completely see the yard, then, you know, you have you have more than that. Uh, but if you look through the code, too, that all relates to the setbacks. So if you if your house is outside of the setback and you're trying to put a fence around for your yard and everything is out of the setback, then um, you know there are maximums in there that apply. Um, yeah. I'm not an arbitrary person. These, this is a rural town, and we need to have like some 
sensibilities for private property and the, how, the way people need to be able to use their property. Well, I mean, I think a lot of times on these codes, yeah, when they were originally put together, there's no documentation on what our founders were thinking when they put this book together. I don't think this is such a hodgepodge of uh, different special interest groups over the years that there's not a lot of logic <laughs> in here. What were our founders thinking about a six-foot fence in the front? Is it they want to keep an eye on you, or what's the what's the deal? I don't know. I think it's size is mine. I think it's size up for fire. I think that's what it boils down to. For fire. For fire, because if when a fire engine pulls up, they're where are they going to pull up? They're not going to pull up the side or the back of your house, unless you're in an alleyway. I mean, that would be an assumption. Their trucks are 10 feet tall. You're telling me they can't see over a six-foot fence? <laughs> well, I've seen people using corrugated tin as a fire prevention fence oh, yeah. all the way around the yep. property. If there's a spark or somebody's got a grass fire, that's going to pretty much stop it if it's just a small-scale fire. And there are people that have done that to prevent it from spreading. I know some towns... Uh, no, it's arbitrary. That's a requirement for visibility coming out of your driveway. Right, and if and if you look through the code too, it talks about corners. Like you can't do more than X amount and for visibility and stuff. And that like argument that. won't my driveway. Oh yeah, I can, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. So. So before we move on to the next item on the agenda, I'd like to see if anybody in the public have they have any comments or concerns on any of the codes that we sort of went through today um, and any suggestions for um, changes. Annie Drake, Dewey Humble. I'm with Lynn. Why does it matter how tall your fence is? If people here buy property, they want to do what they want to do with their property. We want rural rules. We don't want an overabundance of regulations, you know, stopping us from what we're allowed to do on our property. So I say slash what you can. Just get rid of them. Well, I see some people don't pay attention to the code anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Duly noted. <laughs> Less is more sometimes. Is there anything else, anyone else in the public? Okay. Moving on to the next agenda item is consideration and possible action for scheduling additional meetings, uh, whether to hold or if so, set the date and time. So I actually had a question about this because when is our, when are we supposed to get the general plan? Well, what happens is uh, once, yeah, yeah, once it's completed and after 60 days after it's been reviewed by outside yeah. agencies, then we, uh, we allow you to have it. We have to post a hearing uh, uh, on it 15 days. We have another 15 days we have to advertise. Is there any way we can, there, I've got like a stack of maps because I'm reading all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Um, and there's actually conceptual photographs, photographs EPA has put out about what the smelter site is going to look at when they get done remediating. And I know you've got a time crunch, and I'm trying to figure out if there's a way that we can, like, just not really take action, but just familiarize ourselves with 
the visual aids. In fact, um, that is a uh, an issue that's that is being addressed um, uh, uh, by one of our team members, uh, Mel uh, Kuno. Um, we are trying to set up presentations with the health, uh, as well as with uh, potential reuse and how things look once they're done, before, after. Um, and we're going to set it up in a method where it will be not necessarily a town meeting, but it will be a um, uh, town, I mean, a town meeting, but it's going to be where you have uh, poster boards, information tables, open yeah, house type yes, stuff. So where people can ask questions and people can write questions down and that other people can see the questions that are being asked, but more of a personable uh, type of presentation where you can actually ask people. Um, I, if you've ever gone to um, a BLM uh, management plan um, or uh, uh, or a redistricting meeting, you have a bunch of different people that a development meeting on a big development. You have different people assigned to each of the areas that will have their boards and they will explain it. Um, the important thing is, is that they all are explaining and answering similarly of, of what's going to happen. But um, in this case, we, we need it more personable and with people interacting uh, with us. And so, yes, that is something that we want to show before and after different projects that bef uh, before and after. And the existing site. And, and what, what yeah, exactly. So what it looks we're like. really, really familiar with what is there and what will be there and what we could do with it. Yes, uh, you know, conceptual plans, right, basically. Yeah. And that is something that we see as a need because it's hard unless you see a, a picture and it can't just be numbers and... No. Uh, a presentation that's on a wall. Um, people do a lot better when they see it and you can touch it and you can ask questions right then and there. And some people don't ask questions in a setting like this. They would much rather ask it, you know, uh, with someone that's... Um, and so, yes, that's what we've been planning. Uh, the same thing is going to happen uh, with the health as well. Um, and... Uh, and we want it, the way we're trying to set this up is that we get enough information out to people ahead of time so that they show up. There's a hard date and we put it on our calendar, right? And right now, um, uh, what we are shooting for on the health um, presentations is in, in February uh, uh, towards the end because we're trying to get out the information to people. So you, you're going to see more and more, and you're going to see it brought up at every meeting that we have. And, and what we would ask even the commissioners, if you have people you know, um, when we get these dates, we want you to invite them to show up. Um, and we're going to do it at different venues, not just here at a town meeting. It has to be where we are big enough and that uh, – different areas uh, people can come because some people don't have the right to get there. Yeah. Um, and it will be uh, televised. 
Um, and so it is, um, uh, it's necessary that, that we get people to show up. Because when you talk about, as you know, uh, uh, Commissioner uh, Collins, if you, when you talk about a, a general plan and these type of codes, it, it lasts like, uh, it's 10 years and you're supposed to go back and do it and sometimes it's even longer. Talking about any of this stuff, and my husband, his eyes glaze over, and he's like snoring <laughs> by the time I get done. <laughs> so. and, and what's important is, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, set points of, of information, mm -hmm. and, and not if, if you delve too deep, it people do. They just yeah, it's just too much. It's Keep like trying on. to explain a budget, right. you know, yeah. and it's like it's just boring. And you mentioned that it's, it's televised. Where, where is it televised? It will be done on uh, that particular ones. If it's at other sites, it will be on uh, Facebook. That's what we're trying to do on our website. Okay. And uh, I mean, our, our, our town homepage. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, not the, um, it would be Facebook. Isn't that right? Not Granicus because we only have that here. It will only be on, on social media. So those that don't have Facebook won't be able to view it. What about YouTube? Well, I, you know, the, what people have done with that is it wouldn't be live, it would be uh, after the fact. Probably not bad. I mean, you know. But if you put it on YouTube, you could put a phone number with it. If somebody did have a question, they could call the town hall. I think we would have to uh, figure that out. That's a good point. If that's available. Find up Robert Sally out here. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Sally, that's a good one. You just volunteered. <laughs> Well, let me let me. We can check that out. I'm I'm not uh, 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 well uh, versed on what you can do on social media because I try to avoid it as much as possible. Yeah. Okay, so I have a, I have a never question. Been on it, never will. I have a question in regards to our scheduled meetings. <laughs> this came up to, what yesterday. We got our. We weren't sure whether we were going to have a meeting or yes. not. Okay, yes. and I understand it's the holidays. We're just coming off of the holiday and the sugar highs that we enjoyed. Um, but we we seriously need to get some uh, consistency on how we get our agendas um, so that everybody in the public um, as well as uh, the commissioners are prepared for the meetings. Um, and also, how many times a month do you, do you want to meet? I think we should have two a month. Once, once a month. <laughs> I'm. Well, I mean, we're never going to get done with this once a month. Well, and you that's know. the thing, too. Twice a month um, for for six months. I mean, how long is it going to take us to get through all of this? It's a lot of information, and it's it's hard on Thursday. I got to tell you, I wake up at three in the morning, and you know, I have fifteen have minutes before I turn into a pumpkin and have to go to bed. <laughs> So, so no, I, I know, but I'm just saying that my days are really long and, and I'm sure everybody else's, their days are really long and our brains are uh, they, fried, they're so fried right by, by Thursday. Right so, now we're at once a month, right? Well, I think right now we've been doing it, uh, we've been doing it a lot, a uh, lot of times. Uh, I mean, I think it's maybe once or twice or three times a month we've been getting, we're really working hard at trying to get, getting this done. So I'm I'm open to twice a month, um, which is but for a short period of maybe.
maybe six months and that's yeah. it. You yeah. know, after that, it's once a month. Well, um, when we get the general plan, we're going to get interrupted with their codes and we're going to yeah. have to do that. Right. That so, so let's, let's, um, let's talk about it. Uh, we, I want to hear well, it. I hear one, once a month. Which we, is can, uh, we can reasonable. set our meetings whenever we need, whenever we as a commission feel that we need to have a meeting. There's no, there's no bar on when we can have a meeting. Um, you say what you, okay. I'd like to plan my life. I, and I, I'm a hundred percent with that. You say Thursdays are hard for you. What? No, Thursdays. I'm just saying th Thursday, I'm coming off a 48 hour work week and I start at five in the morning at, in Phoenix, usually not on usually on a Thursday, but sometimes on a Thursday. And so six o'clock really is okay for you. Six o'clock is, is fine with me, but a two hour window is what I'm, I'm proposing two hours at the max yeah. Yeah, because fine. I think at this point in you know my day <laughs> I turn I want to go to bed <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you, you know what I mean I just want to go to bed so it would be easier so, if we did it on a Monday Mondays Monday um, I yes I can do that on Monday too Mondays are good so Mondays so are what Thursdays what about Monday. what about the first Thursday the first Thursday following the first council meeting, like we have in our ordinance okay. that we currently have. And then what about the, I don't want to overburden the staff either because council is having, you know, their two regular meetings and their study session. And then whenever they're not happy, they want to have a, you know, a special meeting. So I'm just going to say it the way it is. Uh, what about the, we can do Thursdays, but I'm, what I'm saying is we have a two-hour window. So this what is, about the first and third Thursday following the first month, first town council meeting? Okay. Does that sound reasonable? Is that all right with you? Yeah. I mean, the other I one that's care. affecting the most. That's fine. I know I am. <laughs> I just have to go to Phoenix once in a while, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, are you guys okay with that? I'm fine with it. As, as long as we have enough to talk about it, it seems like we had some dead time tonight. We had some uh, dead time, but we also got presented with this at the last minute so we mm -hmm. weren't really prepared for it yeah. i mean i don't think we were all prepared for it at all i mean there's nothing wrong with how we handled it today i think we as a team worked great together and so dan is it dan is it possible to get the to get notice of this planning and zoning meeting monday night the only reason why council gets there gets there the only reason why the council agenda is put out on Thursday or Friday is it used to be when the town hall was closed on Friday. Well there's an ordinance now. Correct, there is. <laughs> Correct. You got tired actual, of being shortchanged. The Correct. actual law is twenty four hours notice. Yeah. And by state statute. I understand uh, that. Is it too much to ask of the uh, ask of you and the staff to get these by Monday, so we have for a Thursday meeting. Thursday meeting. Is that too much to ask for? There are certain meetings that we're having and right now. Uh, it's. I mean, how long does it take? We have three meetings a week. Yeah, no, I know that. It's a little bit too much. But how long does it take to put an agenda together with one well, item on it? Depending on what you, I I would really prefer that we know what 
exactly you want on it. Because, I, again, I, I from the first meeting, I thought what was happening is everyone was going through and finding where they had issues. Right. And then we would go in and basically do the same agenda each time. But uh, tonight, it, it may be that what we're going to do is... We have to get that batch into him so he can yeah, he so can respond to, to us. That's so for the batching, okay. That's so that we I can actually move that forward that. with some of the stuff because if we're counting on information yeah. coming back to us, we have to be able to act on we it. We need that to keep going. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to. Uh, can you give us uh, a? Um, an idea so we can talk it over where we can put it and how much time we can give you because I, I would like to give you more time. But yeah. Talk about it, vote on it, and then move forward with the next item. Because that, that will actually set up the rhythm of how we're going to get this done. Because it's been two months since we submitted that last one. Well, it's Christmas. <laughs> I, 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 and Thanksgiving. We have Mike you know, sure I. And Thanksgiving. I realized, and New Year's. And this is where um, a lot of things, uh, uh, a lot of problems that we have on getting things done uh, happens is that we're not the only clients of different people. Right. right. And right. so they need to give them enough time to do it. Otherwise, they're shooting from their hips. Right. Uh, so. What, what I um, am going to suggest is, yes, I will get it. Limit your uh, batch. get the two-week turnaround, but I want uh, to you know a what? little bit of time to, to have us look at our scheduling right now. Okay, you can do that. Let me, let me just suggest this. Two items at a time for a batch. That makes it easy on him. He's not too bothered by it. It gives us enough time to talk about this in every meeting, and so we're looking at two items. Well, last time I think we turned in five. We're safe. Right. So if he gets two, we're not pressuring number. anybody, right? We're not. Oh, well, last meeting I wasn't here for. That's right. That was that was a zoning meeting anyway. Zoning change. Yeah. yeah. My my biggest concern is to make sure that the public is informed yeah. and they sure. have a copy of what we're going to be discussing in the packet, just like the council has to do, so that they can read it. Because a lot of people, you'd be amazed at how many people just, the website is not that easy to use. So we don't have nine points that the public doesn't know what we're talking about? Well, it, they need to be, we're talking about changing <laughs> codes and they, some of these codes are suggested by the public. And they yeah. need to be able to have the uh -huh. advance notice to get here and participate Correct. and be able to read these things. This is my main concern. Is 72 hour to notice too much? I, you know, I, I don't think so, but it all depends on what <laughs> we will try to do that. Because I but didn't it see all this agenda until this morning that or late last night. Because what has been happening right now is that. Uh, uh, our days are set by uh, out of our control, it seems, because different things are being set, and uh, we're having some job. difficulty keeping up. <laughs> well, no, why don't we just leave that. it the way it is for now, then? They're a little stressed right now, and the, short staff. What is it, the first Thursday? Short staff? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, but the thing is, you are going to, 
We can come up with it. We have to we have to check the calendar as to what other events are happening. Okay. That's so just Yes. Uh, those other meetings you were talking about, having them out of here, uh -huh. we need to try to get those out at least two weeks before the meeting, so people have time. Oh, you mean about the uh, presentations? Right. Yeah, we've been we've been putting stuff out currently, and so I think uh, the newsletter's got something. In it. Yeah, we yeah. have newsletter. I think we have something on the website. About the watch, watch that uh, for the dates. Okay. And um, uh, and so yes, we have to get these um, people to attend. Yeah. No, I want them to attend and be able to see. So I'm not trying to be hard on on this. I just want to be able to talk to Beth. And Chelsea, and we'll figure out how we do it so that you have time to look it over. We have it out as soon as possible, and um, and then also with Bill, I'll contact Bill and say this is what we would like to do. And that possible? Yeah. <clears throat> well, right. the other thing too is if it's easier for with every everything they're doing front loading for the council, it might be easier if we meet later in the week. I don't know. Thursdays are good. We'll yeah, leave. I don't we'll care. Stick with I'm Thursdays two times a month, and if we can have our agenda out sooner than later, yeah. that would be awesome. He said one time a month. No, two times. He only he said one time, but for the next six months, let's. Tom, didn't you say keep it the same? That's right? what I just said. But oh, you did. Well, it was just to keep the pressure off the staff for right now. Oh, so yeah, you want once a month? You know the time. Again, they're dealing with super fun. Driven oh, by. Yeah. When you start receiving things back, right, and so it might be that you decide you want to have it more than one, one, uh, one a month. You have an ETA. A guesstimate as to yeah, when uh, we will see the. I think about probably general plan tonight. I'll be home. No, when we will. <laughs> no, do you have an ETA? An estimate when we will see the general plan? Um, Sixty um, days. We have. We have the next meeting on the. Third is that? Yeah, it has been confirmed. Yeah, but we're looking at 23rd or 24th. Yeah. Last I heard was the end of the month. Yeah, it, that was the last, but um, it's being moved up. Okay, so are we only going to meet once a month? I know Tom was there once a month. Uh, meet once a month. What are you talking Seems to me, after talking to Dan, the staff has got a lot on their plate. Yeah. Yeah. Right so now, at month the month present right time, now. keep it once a month, first Thursday following the first town council meeting as it is currently. Sounds good. Given that we get that you attempt to get a 72 hours notice of the meeting, the agenda. But we'll just do once a month. You want to take a vote on it just to confirm all, everybody's understanding on it? That's do your call. Need, You're the chair. We don't need to take a vote on something like that, do we? Uh, you, can, you directed us, but if you want it, if you want to have it formal, let's do it. Let's be formal about it so nobody misunderstands. Okay, so it's gonna be once a month. Once a month is. What is that your motion? First Thursday. Let's have somebody else motion. First Thursday of the month. I would make a motion that we have that we continue our regular regularly scheduled planning and zoning meeting 
for the first Thursday of the month following the first town council meeting at 6 p.m. here in the chambers. Um, and it asked the staff to please give us more than 24 hours notice on the agenda. Do I get a second? Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any nays? Aye, aye, aye. No nays. Will you please take a, a is it a vote? Roll call vote. A roll call vote. I think that's just there, there, no, there was no nays. There were no nays. Okay, good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Very good. So the next item on our agenda is to um, adjourn. So this meeting is adjourned. Thank you. And I didn't make an emotion. Yeah, yeah. Was that motion clear enough? Yeah. Yeah. That was very clear. <laughs> 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 <laughs>